Welcome, church family. If you have your Bibles with you, um, open it to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, starting at verse 7. I just have a short piece of scripture to share with you guys and a prayer. So, James 4, verse 7. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will free from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Could we all stand and pray? Heavenly Father, I pray that each of us draw near to you. I pray that we will embrace your conviction because his purpose is to draw us closer to you, not to oppress us, not to shame us, but to lead us to repentance and forgiveness. I ask for humility over this church. It's in your name I pray. Amen. service the worship team leads and the congregation joins with and what's interesting is we we don't the, the the body doesn't follow we join with Does that makes sense and and as the holy spirit moves there's there's he, he leads us the holy spirit's leading them but he's also leading you he's leading you in the inside he's leading you in your spirit and two different things just happened. And I don't know if you, if, you, if you caught it in the Spirit, if you noticed it in the Spirit. But I, I, was, I could have got up earlier, but the Holy Spirit said, no, I want, I want them to catch this. They went into a time of, of worshiping in the Spirit. It sounded like the same words, but it changed. We changed over into worshiping in the Spirit. We are supposed to join with. We're supposed to join with Him, with them. And I, I want to encourage you because it literally has everything to do with what we're talking about in, in what are you going to do about it. You know, we, we in, in, a, in the 21st century have gotten so used to the leader leading and us following. When the reality is we're one body. When the leader leads, we join with. When, when the Holy Spirit leads, He's going in a direction we're to join with and to bring our supply. The hands are supposed to do what the hands are supposed to do and the feet are supposed to do what the feet do and, the, and so on and so forth. But we have to recognize that, that movement and we need to join in. And so I was waiting because I was like, we're almost there. Boy, you could just, we were right, we were right there. But we're supposed to step over into the body worshiping, the body ministry. We didn't, we didn't get there. And that's not a, that's not a, you know, it's not this, it's not a, you, you know, shame. It is, it is, hey, it's okay. <laughs> that's what I keep hearing this morning. It's okay for the body to do what the body's supposed to do. <clears throat> not only in the morning, not only here, but out there. We're so used to following. We're so used to being spectators that we need to get out of that mode. 
when when the spirit is moving and whatever he's doing and it could be anything it could be when the spirit is healing jump in not just to get your own healing but to to believe for the healing for someone else who else is out there who who else needs healing if the if the holy spirit is moving in salvation jump in not just to to hope you don't hope somebody else gets salvation but that you can lead somebody in salvation the anointing is there to save this morning the anointing is here to worship not just the words on the on the on the screen but the the, the anointing is here to worship and i didn't want to i don't want to i don't want to over explain it or over take over here i want the holy spirit to continue to move i believe we're still in that place so we're going to go back there because i know you have more and we're gonna we're gonna keep going and i want you to join in if if it's and i'll just i'll, I'll give you the hint if it's to sing in the spirit sing in the spirit well, I've never sang in the Spirit. Now's a great time to try. Close your eyes. Don't look at anybody else. Don't worry, wonder what everybody else is thinking. You worship in the Spirit. If it's to pray in tongues, pray in tongues. If it's to do whatever, to dance, to run, to whatever, be led by the Spirit and just join in with what He's doing and these guys are these guys are leading us there but we're supposed to join with them in it amen amen turn with me to john chapter 14 john chapter 14 we've been beginning in verse 11 says, believe me, this is Jesus speaking, this is Jesus speaking to uh, his disciples at the, in the upper room the night before, or the night, the night he was betrayed and the morning before he was crucified. He said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. So Jesus has been, had been doing works. What kind of works had he been doing? Well, he'd been, he'd been preaching the gospel. He'd been pre- preaching the good news. He had been, uh, healing the sick. He had been, uh, showing signs and wonders. He'd been raising the dead. He says, believe on account of the works themselves. He was doing the stuff that his father sent him to do. He was going out and he was being salt and light. He was the only one who was being salt and light. He was the only one that was doing, he was showing his disciples for three years how to do what they needed to do when he was resurrected and went home. He was getting them ready. He was training them. And he's saying, believe in me. I mean, they're still having trouble. They're still having trouble. After three years, they're still having trouble understanding what the plan is. That's okay. After 30 years, some of us are still having trouble. (laughs) Still having trouble understanding what the plan is. Why is that? Because there's all kinds of other voices telling us, no, that's not the plan. They're wrong. I, 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 I'm, I'm this close, I'm this close to not watching any more shorts on Facebook. I'm this close. 
Now, I love the ones where they blow stuff up or, you know, they're making stuff. But, you know, every once in a while they throw these theological wonders in there, spouting some sort of nonsense, and I get angry. This morning I got angry because one of them was in there going, this doesn't happen anymore. Anybody who says that God moves in by His Spirit in His church, He says, you're just supposed to sit there and listen. And I went, off, block, destroy. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Sorry. It just, come on. It's hard enough already that the world is telling you this stuff doesn't exist anymore than to have the church telling you that it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, I went, I, I went to church for years and they just, they just said, be still and know that I am God. It didn't work with you, Jim. I, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me at all. But it's like, you just sit there and you be quiet and you don't do anything. Oh, come on. That's not the church. That's not what Jesus, he, he's actually in the middle of saying, if you believe in me, believe in who I am, believe what I'm here doing. And I, and this whole morning through, through worship, I'm hearing over and over and over. It's like, I want to get them there. I want to get us all there. I want us, I, he, the Holy Spirit wants us to, to step over into fully being the church. But we have to understand that he still is doing it today. And he says it right here. I'm going to go back to that same verse again, verse 11, but then I'm going to go on. It says, believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And then he says this. Immediately he says this. Truly, truly, verily, verily, listen to me, listen to me. This is a true statement. He's, he's emphasizing. He's making sure that people are listening. Truly, truly. I'm letting you know this is what's real. This is what's true. I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I'm going to the Father. I'm going to one more step into this guy this morning. This guy, ooh, he ticked me off. Because he's going, he's standing there going, I don't see any miracles. I don't see miracles happening. That means miracles are done. And I was like, turn in your papers. Get out of the pulpit. I mean, statements like that, no wonder people are afraid to step out. Come on. Jesus says greater works. The reason he's not seeing any miracles is why? He doesn't believe in them. Man, I just, ooh, just got worked up. If I see him again, I'm going to delete him again. Just, just do it. Just, that'll show him, won't it? That'll show him. Greater works will, uh, than these will he do. He, she, them, they. Old people. Old people. You are in there. You're in there. Young people. You're in there. Greater works. Greater works will you do. Greater works are you able to do right now. Right now. Right here. Right now. 
You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till you have more education. You don't have to wait till you under, you don't have to wait till you're perfect. I'm not perfect. Oh yeah. You middle-aged people, right here, right now. You women. You women. Yes. You had greater works can you do? Guys, you really quiet guys who just sit and don't do anything ever. No, I'm not looking. I'm just, I'm <laughs> Patty is throwing him under the bus. Hey, he's looking at you. He's looking at you. No, I'm just looking at guys in general. He just happens to be right there. Come on. He's, he's, the Lord is saying, this is what the kingdom is all about. But you've been told and told and told and told, not now, not now, not yet, not now. You don't, you don't qualify. That, those voices have been so loud. That's why I have to be so loud now and so aggressive because it needs to counteract that. It needs to counteract those voices. Those voices are lies. It's the same lie, that's where we left off from last week, that's the same lie that Adam and Eve heard in the garden. You, you don't have everything yet. You're not ready. You, you, you just need to eat that fruit, then you'll be ready. Yeah, just, you, you gotta wait till you go to Bible college, guys. Till you, just wait till you go to Bible college. After you do that, then you'll be ready. That's a lie. You old people, don't wait. I mean, I can't even say, just wait. There's only, only so many days left in this world. You middle-aged people, what are you waiting for? We're supposed to step over. We're supposed to live this. We just start living it. If we'll start living it, others will start living it. We're salt and light. That's what salt and light does. You turn the light on and people go, oh, there's a different world out there. You add salt and they go, mmm, that tastes good. We're supposed to start, but here's the deal. We've been told, I've been told, don't you, not yet, not you, you don't deserve it. Oh, you messed up yesterday. Oh, oh, there's, there will always be an excuse. And Jesus is saying, done with the excuses. If you believe in him, if you believe in him, you can do the works that he, that he did, that Jesus did. Well, no, those works died 2,000 years ago. Really? What a wimpy religion that that person's a part of, whoever that is. Give me a break. Greater works. Greater works will you do. We talked about last week, He's given you authority. We've already been given authority. In Genesis, I showed both in Revelation and in Genesis. Is it Revelation? I think it was Revelation. Yeah. I showed in Revelation the end of the book and the beginning of the book. So go, go to Genesis. We're going we're gonna to hit this again. We're going to hit it again until it gets so sunk in. Genesis 1.26. Genesis 1.26 said, Then God said, Let us, God said this, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let, him, let us make man in our image. We were made in the image of God. 
We were made in the image of God. And in His likeness. We're like Him. Now, here's where the theological walls start trying to pop up. And if every time one of those walls pops up, you take authority over that thing. Because I can feel it in the Spirit. I can feel in the Spirit, you were made in the likeness of God. And immediately, those voices start saying, well, but you're, you're, you're much, you're, 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 you're so much lower. You're so, no. You're no longer lower. No longer lower. Adam and Eve were not lower than God. They were in communion with God. Oh, oh, I can feel the theological intrepidation. Years ago, many, many years ago, we had a, had a special speaker, and he was talking about the same thing I'm talking about right now, and he was saying, you were made in the likeness of God. And you were not made lower than him. And he said the proof is he had fellowship with man. He had, you don't have fellowship with people or, or things that are lower than you. He's been, he made us in his likeness. Everything he does is perfect. Jesus said, come on guys, Jesus said, did I not call ye gods? Boy, you're getting out here. You're just going, well, wait a second, Pastor. You're going nuts here now. No, this is what we have to understand this. Of course, we're not God. He is God. Always. In my, I mean, I'm not saying, oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. We're going deep now. All right. Satan said, I will be like God. That's what he said. And everybody's going, some of you, that was what you're hearing. Well, I'm going to be like God. No, he was made as a servant. They're not like us. They are servants. But he made man like him. Does that mean I supersede God? In no way, shape, form, or anything. Don't put words in my mouth. In the New Testament... I've got all these verses written down, but we're going too fast. I, can't, I, I, could, I could show you every one of them. It says that He lifted us up and placed us in the heavenlies with Christ. He lifted us up. I didn't lift myself up. Satan said he would lift himself up. But I don't say that. He lifted me up. And so the worst thing to ever, oh, think about this, think about this. Hey, son or daughter, uh, I'm gonna, we're gonna have lunch tomorrow, and I, and I want you guys to come over for lunch tomorrow. Oh, okay, dad, we're gonna come over for lunch. And we have supper ready, and we're, and we're sitting at the table, and they go sit out on the porch. Oh, I don't, I don't deserve to sit with you guys. Cause I'm lower than you. You created me. You, you, you gave me life. You, you, you had me, but I, I don't deserve to, man, what would that, I just, Get in here. Get in here. Sit down at our table. Well, I, but I don't want to. I, I don't want to get too proud. No, sit at my. Here, I'm going to give you my chair. Now, I, you know, I don't give my chair to nobody. You know that. I mean, these guys come over, and I had some. Every once in a while, I have somebody try to sit in my chair. No, that don't happen. Get out of my chair. I've had some young men. They think, well, we'll see what happens. Well, okay, try it. Just try it. But I'll even get, he says, I'm giving you a, t- a seat at the table. 
He's, he, he has brought us into the family. We don't think like that anymore. We say we do, but we don't, obviously, because the moment we start, I start going in this direction and say, oh, okay. So you've, I mean, I've, I've preached this before. You've heard this before, but I'm going to, you've heard the, of the phrase spit, uh, spit and image, right? Spit and image. He's the, he, my son is a spit and image. He's gone. There, no, he's not there. Where did he go? He's gone, but he was sitting right back there. He's the spit and image of me. Now, does that mean he's, he's me? No. It just means when I, I see him run, I see him run, okay? When he's playing in a sport or playing a game and I see him run, I go, I'm so sorry, son. I'm so sorry. <laughs> because he literally runs like me. I'm so sorry. It's the genes. I, I apologize. There's so many, I see myself in him. Now, I look, I look in the mirror now. I look in, my, in the mirror in the morning and I see my dad. I do, I see my dad and go, oh my gosh. But it's spit and image. You know what spit and image was really, was? What the, what the phrase really was? It's, this, it's a southern colloquialism and they kind of ran it together. It is spirit and image. He is the spirit and image of his father. He's the spit and image. He's a spirit. Spirit, 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 and image. Which means if you've seen the Father, or if you've seen Him, you've seen the Father. You've met the Father. You have met my Father. Right, Deb? In so many ways. I mean, I, I would say when they're raising the kids and I, you know, they would do something and I would react a certain way, I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Dad used to say that to me all the time. It's just in me. It's who I am. If you've seen me, you've met my Father. If you've met me now that I'm a born-again believer, you've met my Father. Why? Because I'm the spit and image. I'm the spirit and image. Am I perfect in every way? No! But yes, I am. In Christ, in Christ, I am perfect. In Christ, I am anointed. Outside of Christ? I mean, if I were... No, I'm just John. But in him, when the Father looks at me, he doesn't see me. He sees Jesus. At the judgment, he's going to look at me and go, well, of course come in, son. Of course you're coming in. You're my son. You look like my son. You act like you you are in Christ. You are my son. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and then it goes right into this this is powerful and let them have dominion let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the heavens over the livestock over the earth and over every creeping thing go on and on and on verse 28 and god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it Subdue it. Take it under your authority. Take it under your authority. And have dominion. Here he says it all over again. Over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. So on and so forth. Last week I talked about dominion. What dominion? And I said it's like a kingdom. I I actually went back and and, and looked at that word again because I wanted to give you the exact definition. This is the exact definition. Dominion says... 
Sovereignty. Sovereignty. You, oh, here we go. Hang on to your spiritual socks. You are sovereign. You are sovereign. What are you sovereign over? The fish of the sea, the earth, all the creation. Are you sovereign over God? Absolutely not. He is sovereign over all things. But he's given us this authority. Well, but God is sovereign. He said, he said, you know, whatever he wants to do in the earth, he'll do. No, he can't do, he won't do that. Because of his sovereignty, he said, you're in charge. Adam and Eve sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. They gave up that sovereignty for a period of time to Satan. And then Jesus came. Then Jesus came back. God is sovereign, but so are you. You have authority in this earth. You have the authority. You're the sovereign in control of the creation that he gave to us in Genesis 1. Turn to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to, I'm going to prove this to you so it gets well past any argument, any problem that you might have with this thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 3, I'm going to show you two different places where Paul talks about the God of this world. And I, and I want to do that to give you the, 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 the full spectrum of what we're talking about here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the ones who are perishing, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Paul calls Satan the God of this world. Why does he call Satan the God of this world? Because he is. How did he become the God of this world? Adam and Eve believed him instead of God. The moment they put him in front of God, they are now ruled and reigned by him. And man was ruled and reigned by Satan for the next 6,000 years. There are still people in this world who are ruled and reigned by Satan. God gave man the authority, man gave it to Satan, and for the first few thousand years until the flood, it said that every thought and every intention, every everything that man did was evil. There was only one found righteous. And that was Noah. Why? How, how do we know that he was righteous? Because God said it's going to rain, build an ark, and he did. He believed God. He did what God told him, even though it was crazy. It had never rained before. There, there had never been a flood like that. There had never been anything like that. And when God said, build a boat, he's thinking, why? I mean, he could think, why in the world would I do this? I'm sure everyone in the world told him he was nuts. But he believed God, and he started building a boat. The same thing today. Are you going to believe that God has given you authority to bring his kingdom into this world more and more every day? Or are you going to believe the world that says you're nothing? You have no authority. You can't do anything. You can't, you can't, God's, God's not telling you the truth. 
is your choice to believe <coughs> or to disbelieve. Well, but wait a second, that, that puts a lot of pressure on me. Exactly. I will not remove any of the pressure on each and every one of us because it's truth. When God says we can do something, we can do it. And I'm not going to say, well, but it's okay if you don't. No, it's horrible if you don't. It's horrible if I don't. It's horrible if we don't walk in all of the anointing and and authority and power that Christ died on that cross for. It's horrible. We're, We're shirking our responsibility. We're giving up the God-given right that we have to bring the kingdom of God into the into wherever we go. The kingdom of God is in this room right now. Because we're all here. But every tomorrow morning when you go to your job, you're bringing the kingdom of heaven into that building, into that job place, into that school, into that whatever it is. You're bringing that authority. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Well, yeah, but... I w- I'm going to have somebody else do it, but I'm going to let somebody else do it because they're better. No, he, you have that authority, and if you don't use your authority, there are people around you who are going to perish. And that is responsibility. That is. Well, but God is sovereign. If He wants them saved, He'll get them saved. No, He won't. He won't. He's already said this is how it works. He's not going to show up in your classroom tomorrow morning. Do you go to school tomorrow? Yeah, go to school tomorrow. He's not going to show up in there in a, in a ball of flames and fire and say, oh, I am God. No, you're going to show up there tomorrow and say, hey, I just want, you know, if somebody's going through something, whatever it is, and you're just living your life, and, 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 and you say, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. And this is the authority that He's given me. I can do the works of God. I can do the work, the things that Jesus did. I can do them and even greater things. So, Paul in 2 Corinthians calls, uh, uh, calls uh, uh, Satan the God of this world. Turn over to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 1. Paul's writing to the Ephesians here, and he says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. You were dead in the, in the trespasses and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of, of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, but God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us. Where did He seat us at? Did He seat us at the kids' table? No. Did He set us in the other room? Around the, around the card table. Boy, that was always the worst. You know, you go to Thanksgiving and why don't you go sit at the card table on the rickety chair? Try not to sit down fully. We know how that is. Try not to sit down fully. That's what I love about these chairs, man. They'll sit right there ready to go. I could, I could plop down in those chairs. 
No, he didn't seat us at the second, third, fourth level of... No, he seated us with Christ. Where is Christ seated? In authority. All authority has been given to him. And you have been seated with him. You are already there. You don't have to earn it. You absolutely cannot deserve it in your own self. self. But he has chosen to seat you there because of his mercy and because of his love. You are there. You are there. You are in that seat of authority right this second. Don't let anyone talk you out of it. Don't let yourself talk you out of it. You know, you, you've been so conditioned, you'll talk yourself out of it. Well, I don't, I, I don't really have that kind of... Yes, you do. Don't lie to yourself. Change the way you think. Repent. Change the way you think. Made us alive together, this verse 5, with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What He is giving you is immeasurable. So if you can measure it, you have yet to be there, to to walk in it fully. How many people have you led to the Lord? This is not a, this is not a, oh shoot, I'm a, I'm a worm. No. How many people have you led to the, to the Lord, or led to the Lord? Now, how many people did Reinhardt Bonnke lead to the Lord? He can't count them. He lost track. At some point in his life, he lost track. How many people did, did uh, Billy Graham lived, lead to the Lord? He didn't, he lost track somewhere. They quit counting. Why? Because he was expressing the immeasurable glory of God. How many people have you laid hands on and they've, they've been healed? How many have you, I mean, it should be immeasurable. We could live in this every single day. Every single day. Well, not today because I don't, I know, I'm not, I don't feel good. No, it has nothing to do with you. It doesn't have whether you feel good or whether you feel saved or whether you feel holy or whether you feel anointed. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with your seated in Him. In Christ. That's the only reason you're there, is you're in Him. He decided He wanted to give you that. He wanted to, He wanted to bless you with that with His mercy and His grace. He gave it to you. Now we need to learn how to operate in it. One more verse. Ephesians 6. Slide over to Ephesians 6. I'm, even, I'm going to give you a bonus verse here. A bonus. An extra one. I said two. I'm going to give you three. It's always good to have an extra one, just in case. Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. The spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is evil still in this world. Satan is still operating through people who are not saved, through people who are evil. But there is a kingdom that started 2,000 years ago whom you are a part of and whom you are a king. Oh, no, I'm not a king. I might be a duke. I might be a duke. (laughs) Or an earl. Some of you, and I won't look at anyone in particular because you're going to say, why is he looking at me? 
Some of you think you're the court jester. I'm just the court jester in the kingdom of God. No. You're a king. Well, I'm a woman. You're a king. And you're a priest. You're a king within the kingdom. Over what part? Wherever you walk. Wherever you sit down. Wherever you stand up. Wherever you live. You're the king of that area. We can act like it. Why? Because He's given us the authority to do so. Take that authority. Take anything, anything. And this is, we, okay, going all the way back to authority. When we talked about authority last, whenever we did it, a long time ago. If you see something that is an infraction within your kingdom, what is an infraction? What is a, a breakage of a law within your kingdom? Poverty is a breakage of the kingdom of God. That is a, that's a, a breaking of the law because the law, we have been given the law of life. The law of provision. He is our, He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. If there is lack in anywhere that, anywhere that within your kingdom, where's your kingdom? Anywhere you go. You mean I can, I can have authority in my workplace where I'm just a, I'm just a whatever in my work? Yes. You can have authority in that place where that you've been placed. That's why your boss wants you to work for him. Your boss wants you. They may not understand it, but you go in there and you start doing your kingdom stuff. You start being a king and taking your authority over that part, the part that you've been given, and it will prosper and it will bless the, 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 the company. I've told this story so many times, I'm not going to tell the whole thing. I used to make uh, uh, roast beef. Roast beef. I was used to be. I make used to make roast beef for Schweigert, Schweigert Meats, and I used to make the roast beef. I was the only for about three years there. I was the only person in the world that ever made roast beef. So if you ate roast beef in the eighties <laughs> from Schweigert, you're welcome. And I was starting to understand this authority thing. And I started, so I began to pray over the roast beef. Because I wanted to be a blessing to my employer. Well, but it was a hot dog factory. It was a meat factory. Yes. I wanted to be a blessing to the meat factory. Because if you do, if you're, if you're faithful in the little, you'll be given much. And I began to pray over the meat. I began to pray over the, the, the meat as I would make it, and I'd be mixing it with my hands. And I'd be, I mixed it with my hands, just so you know. I washed them. I did. I, I did. I washed my hands. I mixed, and I'd be praying. I said, best meat, best sandwich meat this company has ever had. You think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I would, ta- I would talk like that over my job. I would speak over my job. This is the best batch I've ever made right here. This, this is the best. It's going to be a blessing. After a few months, they sent in people who were like, okay, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean? They said, what are you doing? They said, the production has gone significantly higher. The loss is significantly lower. And the quality of the product is so much better. And I said, because I pray over it. And they went, ha, 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 what do you really do? <laughs> well, but, but here's the thing. God gave me wisdom on how to make it better. And I said, this is what I was taught to do. This is how I do it. And they went, Whoa, can we come in? Can we have somebody come in and watch you do it and, and write down the steps so that it, you, somebody else could do it later? I said, Of course you can. It's your company. You do whatever you want. 
So they would have people come in and they would watch and they would take notes. I would work eight hours doing this and they would sit on a stool in the corner and take notes. Pick up that can, get over here. No, they wouldn't do that. They recorded everything. They wrote it all down. And six months later, six months later, the guy who sat in the corner and wrote it all down got an award for bringing up the production. It was in the company newsletter. And I'm looking at it going, you have got to be kidding me. I don't care. It's God to glory. But really bad rabbit trail. You can speak. You are the king of the area that you work in. You're the king of your home. You want your home to be blessed? Take authority. And I don't mean take authority over the kids. You kids, you better get in line. No. You start, you start speaking life over them. You have the authority to speak life over them. Speak health, speak blessing. You speak blessing and health over your finances. You speak blessing and health over your lawn. You start, you start speaking life over the things that you own, your vehicles. You start, spe- you start taking that authority and it's going to prosper. Well, but God is sovereign. God is sovereign. He'll just do, if He wants to bless you, He will. If God wants to bless me, He will. If not, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. He didn't put you here to be happy with where you're at. That whole thing would just be, just be happy with where you're at. No, what it means is, you found where you're in a position right now, then you be the kingdom in that area until God moves you out. You stay, you keep being faithful in that area. God will move you on. When that, when that, when he's done what he's won in that area, you know, witness to those people, had influence on these people, do whatever, he'll move you to the next spot. Until then, be, be, be content where you're at. Be content in school. I know, when I was your age, I wanted to be married and, and have kids. I wanted older people to respect me. I still want older people to respect me. <laughs> It never changes. You're always wanting something more. You just be happy with what you're at right now. Whatever stage your life you know, you're in. Parents with small children, enjoy them now. They get older. And they leave. No, it's fine. Go, get out of here. Now, I want to clarify one thing. Just really quick. It's not going to take real long. I'm going to, something that I said last week. And somebody asked me about it, and I'm glad they did. I'm really glad they did. Because in, in years past, if I would have said what I said, and they would have taken it the way they took it, they may have, somebody like, you know, who, somebody back a while ago would have probably left. They were offended by what I said. But I, I'm so glad that they actually come on and said, can I ask you a question? When you said this, what did you mean? And I, I had a chance to talk to them about it. It was wonderful. And it, the statement that I made was this. God did not give you sickness to teach you something. Yep, that's what I said. What they heard was that that you can't learn things through trials, learn things through sickness, or you know, and and because we do, I mean, and, and I said no, no. What I, I said absolutely, when you're in the middle of a trial, learn everything you can, and God can teach you things through that. But here's the thing. He didn't give it to you to teach it to you. That's what I was taught. That's exactly what I meant. God does not give you sickness to teach you humility or to trust him or whatever. No, Satan gives you sickness 
or the world gives you sickness, or you get sick. But God didn't give it to you. He didn't give you cancer. He didn't give you whatever. He didn't give you poverty. God does not keep you in poverty to teach you something. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Can, can you learn something through poverty? Yes. You can learn. I learned all kinds of things through poverty. How to get out of it. <laughs> he gave me wisdom to prosper. That's what the word says. And so I learned my lessons well, as quickly as I could, because I don't want to stay one second longer in poverty. Or whatever it is. I don't want to stay one second longer in sickness. I'm fighting against the sickness, whatever it is, every moment that it's attacking me. I am, I, I have, you know, I, I, okay, I'll be honest. Every once in a while, I, I go through some, a period of time of, you know, oh, oh, woe is me, I'm sick. And all of a sudden, no, what am I doing? I take authority over this sickness. It's an infraction on the law of my kingdom. It has no right to be here. Get out of my life. Can you learn? You can learn through that sickness how to how to have authority and how to take your authority and how to build or distribute that kingdom wider and wider in your life. You can learn all kinds of things through it, but he didn't give it to you. He doesn't give it to you. John ten ten. It's the enemy. It's the it's the it's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he does. But Jesus said, "I have come to give you life and life more abundantly." Susanna. Good morning. Um, so I'm going to bring my supply this morning, so hopefully it ministers. Um, yeah, I won't say it. Okay, so everything in the Bible is true. Oh, no, I will say it. It's interesting because I didn't name my I didn't name my message or whatever, but the crux of the message is being in the likeness of Christ in our giving. So God is good, amen. And those snippets that I do this to off off destroy destroy. Women can't be in the pulpit. Women can't preach. Destroy 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 off. All right, <laughs> sorry. All right, sorry. I'll start. All right, everything in the Bible is true, right? All scripture is the inspired word of God. We would all agree with that. Yes? Amen. Amen. Um, But these statements of our faith are very different from the idea that if something is in the Bible, it must be the intent and the will of God. To say that something is, quote-unquote, biblical, or was practiced in the Bible or in Bible times, does not equate uh, to establishing it as true or good or a standard to live by. The Bible records true accounts of many very false, very wrong ideologies, philosophies, and practices. So the critical concept we must keep in mind, we have to grasp and hold tight to when we study the Bible, is that God's Word records both things that are descriptive and things that are prescriptive. Um, Ideas and practices that are being described to us versus those that are being prescribed to us. Uh, So here are some definitions to clarify what I mean by uh, using these words. Describe or descriptive or indescriptive. It means to give an account in words of someone or something, including all the relevant characteristics, qualities, or events, describing or classifying in an objective and non-judgmental way. 
prescribe and prescriptive means to state authoritatively or as a rule that an action or procedure should be carried out relating to the imposition or enforcement of a rule or method. So, for example, the accounts of polygamy that we find in the Bible are descriptive, but certainly not prescriptive. Uh, Polygamy was not, is not, and never will be God's plan and purpose for marriage. So just because uh, polygamy is biblical doesn't mean it's right or something we are commanded to practice. So this is just one example, but I'm sure you can think of a longer list. Polygamy is a very obvious one. But there are, of course, more subtle, innocuous biblical practices like diet restrictions, clothing and hairstyles, etc. So an issue for the church arises when Christians disagree as to whether a scripture passage is purely descriptive or if it is meant as prescriptive. And unfortunately, we as individuals often tend to suit ourselves in making that decision. We pick and choose randomly as we please and then congregate together with like-minded company, and voila, we have a denomination or a sect. Um, So discerning can be difficult, but what I have found helpful is to hold the foundational principle that as New Covenant believers, what is always prescriptive for us is this. We are commanded to have the mind of Christ, to be conformed to his image and likeness, and to be led by the Spirit as he was. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, We have the mind of Christ and do hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of his heart. Like we heard this morning, we are the likeness of Christ. We are. So I um, I saw this post on a, a Mennonite church's Facebook page, and I thought it expressed well what I'm trying to say. And this is just a, a very short excerpt. Revenge is biblical. Loving your enemy is biblical. But only one is Christ-like. Slavery and oppression is biblical. Chain-breaking and liberation is biblical. But only one is Christ-like. Segregation is biblical. Unity is biblical. But only one is Christ-like. So the list goes on, but you get the gist. So I realize this is supposed to be an offering teaching, and it is, because here's my point. The need to discern between descriptive and prescriptive invariably applies to all the Bible has to say about money and giving. Certainly there are biblical concepts on money that I would argue are prescriptive, such as you cannot serve both God and money, Matthew 6. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, 2 Corinthians 9. And do not neglect to do good, to be generous and contribute to the needy, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. That's Hebrews 13. There are also biblical accounts regarding money that one could argue should be considered primarily descriptive. So I'm going to ask some rhetorical questions, so I don't want you all to answer, but I want you to really think about your answer. The Jewish practice of tithing, descriptive or prescriptive? What about the early church's communal living recorded in in the book of Acts, church members selling their personal property and having all things in common, all things as common property, one big pot for all to share, 
descriptive or prescriptive? So if you consider only one of these descriptive, why not the other? Or if you view just one but not the other as prescriptive, why is that? So last month, many, many of you may recall for his offering method, Mark, I don't know if Mark is here today, but Mark gave a persuasive argument that tithing for us as New Covenant believers is properly viewed as descriptive, not prescriptive. But lest you think that Mark's teaching was somehow letting Christians off the hook and lowering a standard, you need to think again. As I mentioned before, the standard by which we are measured is Christ. So we are not under law, but under grace. The grace to be sanctified in our souls, our mind, will, and emotions into the likeness of Jesus. We are the likeness of Jesus by grace through faith. That sanctification happens. Just think about the words of Christ redefining what it means to commit adultery or murder. Consider what Jesus taught in his Sermon on the Mount. If anything, Christ has raised every standard to which we could aspire in all aspects of our lives, including the area of giving. Think about how Christ gave. Did he give 10%? So back to the Mennonites list. I'm going to add to the gist. Revenge is biblical. Loving your enemy is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. Slavery and oppression is biblical. Chain-breaking and liberation is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. Segregation is biblical. Unity is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. Tithing is biblical. Sacrificial giving is biblical, but only one is Christ-like. So... Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to give our offerings this morning. We thank you, God, that you make all grace abound to us so that we may abound in every good work, in your work, by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.